listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and we're starting off today's episode with a big old dose of vulnerability. So I'm going to take a deep breath. I have gotten some reactions, some faces from other people when I've told them this privately, but I have had 13 therapists over the course of my life beginning around the age of five. And actually, I think I'm kind of lucky about that. My parents recognized, my, for my brothers and I, that their divorce and the instability in our household was affecting our well-being. And so they went and got us help. And so like so many of us, my life has not been without trauma, right? Things have happened to me in the course of my life that have brought up some stuff, <laughs> And one of the really good things that therapy has given me is an understanding of how that trauma can be turned into growth. But we often need support and guidance on how to process the trauma and get to the growth. But not all growth requires trauma and not all growth requires therapy which is why today's episode, I wanna explore the difference between those two, between coaching and therapy, how you know as an individual what you might need and how you tell as a practitioner and as a client patient, depending on context, which you should seek out depending on your unique circumstances and your unique goals. But first, I want to tell you something about uh, a coaching offer that we have for you as part of the show. So we're here on the NASM podcast network, the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And the NASM has a wellness coaching certification that, in my humble opinion, is top notch. Experts in sleep, stress, coaching, neuroscience, movement, positive psychology, We came together to build this world-class program on how do you actually help someone make sustaining and positive change instead of just telling people what to do, which we know from research and behavior change, that kind of prescriptive change just doesn't work. And I'm telling you at the top of the show because I'm going to talk a lot about what coaching is today, and I want you to know that listeners of this show get a discount that compounds on the current discount NASM is already offering. So if you went to nasm.org, it's 50% off on their website, but listeners better than fine get an additional $600 off. There's a big discount and we're the only place that you can get that discount. And so the code is MarshallCWC. So my last name, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L-C-W-C. You go to nasm.org, click wellness at the top, and then use that code at checkout for an additional $600 off. And if you happen to end up on the phone with somebody in the sales team, you want to give them that code at checkout. It's not case sensitive, I don't believe. It's just M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L-C-W-C. Okay, so now let's actually talk about train or coaching and therapy. And I want to start off by clarifying some terms here to prevent like word salad in this episode. Let's get clear on some stuff. So when I say therapists, I'm going to mean qualified counselors, psychologists, and psychiatrists. Those are all different services. I'll talk a little bit about those differences, but I just want to lump them together. When I say therapy, that's who I'm talking about. 
Whereas coaches are going to be qualified, certified health, wellness, and life coaches. So I don't necessarily mean like sports coaches or performance or executive coaches, right? I'm talking about the kind of coaches that are holding space for change. When I say practitioners, I mean anybody who's offering a service. And I'm going to call the person receiving that service a client, though therapists are treating patients. And I say all that because otherwise this episode is going to be annoyingly me looping back and labeling and it would, yeah, I'm sure you get the idea. So so that's the idea here. And I want to start off by talking within the scope of practice of coaching and therapy. So scope of practices are like, what is the boundaries of what I am qualified and experienced to do as a service provider? So Like a personal trainer is not going to be licensed to give massages. That's a massage therapist, right? It's outside of the trainer's scope of practice. But what's the scope of practice of coaching and therapy? What are they qualified to work on? And this is actually, in my opinion, the biggest key difference between coaching and therapy. If you went off and Googled it, you're going to find all kinds of lists. But I'm telling you from somebody who has a lot of experience as the patient, Uh, And also as the practitioner, coaches do not diagnose, treat, or manage mental illness. We're not educated in mental illness, disease, dysfunction, whatever you want to label that. We might have peripheral knowledge. Like I've said on this show before, that movement is very effective in lessening the symptoms of depression. It's not my job to tell my client, you're depressed. And to treat that depression, I need you to up your step count. That's outside my scope of practice. I'm not qualified to diagnose or treat, but I might tell a client, you know, there's a lot of good research around depression and movements benefit towards your depressive symptoms. Would you consider getting more movement in your day to benefit your mental health? Because you said that you want to feel better, right? I'm not telling them you're depressed. They're telling me, my therapist says I have depression, right? So there's a big, important line there around what I'm qualified to do. Coaches are not medical or healthcare professionals, therapists, psychiatrists, like that clump that I defined earlier, they are. So when we're talking about dealing with stress, processing burnout, overwhelm, depression, integrating trauma, those are all in the therapy scope of practice and outside the scope of practice of coaching. Therapists will also often work with clients longer because they're involved in the treatment, the ongoing treatment of mental health challenges. Not always. Sometimes that treatment can be really acute. So let's take grief for an example. So when I was 23, I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It's a genetic disorder. And my prognosis at the time was really poor. I went into a significant grief-driven depression around accepting my illness. And I worked with a grief counselor for a few months to come to terms with what it would mean to live in a body that was always going to be different than the people around me. Now, fortunately, that person was very talented and skilled at what he did, and he helped me to integrate a new viewpoint, a new set of beliefs and mindsets around my own self. But it was through his acute work, this very short-term relationship, that allowed me to access those things. 
Now, coaches typically, and I say typically really stressed here because it's not hard and fast rules at this point, right? Once we get outside of the scope of practice conversation, it has there's a lot of nuance. So coaches typically work with their clients on specific goals or outcomes or areas of their life that they want to explore and change. So once that client gets unstuck or they learn the skills to work for themselves, they will work together with that coach less and less frequently or pause or resolve their work. So that can depend on the goal and its scope. Coaching might be shorter term or it could be really long term. I've certainly had clients that were working on their wellness. were starting from a place that they know that they're not anywhere near where they want to be. So we're reworking their sleep, their diet, their movement habits, their mindset, their relationship with themselves and their wellness. And that might take, in some places, years. But we are honest up front about what our goals are. And so it's okay. We're iteratively working together. So you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Starlee Marshall. And today's episode, we're exploring coaching or therapy. (laughs) So along the lines of scope of practice is the question of regulation and ethics. So this is the other really big pillar in the difference between coaching and therapy, right? So therapists, that whole clump that I labeled before, Um, have a scope of practice that allows them to diagnose and treat and help people with their mental health. So you can't call yourself a therapist without a license. And there are ethical standards, standards around licensure, right? You have more education, more time involved. You have mentorship. You have a whole track to allow you to get licensed. And that is governed by each state. But anyone could call themselves a coach, right? Literally right now, you listening to the sound of my voice without education, you could go on your Instagram, decide that you're a coach, label yourself a coach, boom, the internet now thinks you're a coach. You could also take like a two-day course and say, oh, I'm trained as a coach. And there is no ethical board or governing body or government regulation that says you can't do that as a coach or oh, no, 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 that person's not qualified. They can't use that word anymore. But anyone in the therapeutic practices has that requirement ethically and for licensure. It's also, side note, why you want to take a look if you're considering giving someone access to your heart and your emotions and your motivation in a coaching relationship. You want to take a look at their coaching education and make sure that they have invested the time, the energy, the knowledge to have the skills to pay those bills. Um, It's also why we talk so much about (laughs) wellness coaching on this show is because I believe really strongly that coaches should have an ethical standard of practice. We should have governance and we should have qualifications. Okay, so another really big difference between training and coaching is kind of the how we're doing what we're doing. So therapists tend to, this is not a hard and fast rule, therapists tend to look back at your past and help you examine what's happened in the trajectory of your life and how is that affecting this present moment that you're in. Whereas coaches tend to focus more on the future and how you get from where you are to where you want to go. But I want to put a big caveat on this one. There are lots of coaches that help their clients to identify and unpack self-limiting beliefs that come from their past experiences and then block them from that long-term future. 
And there are lots of incredible therapists that are goal-oriented in their thinking and their patients, they help them get past the blocks to get to those goals. So that line is necessarily blurry depending on what kind of practitioner we're talking about. All right, and then there's all these little smaller differences. So like therapists can take insurance and other than some health coaches that are covered by some bougie insurances out there, most coaching is gonna be out of pocket. And of course there are definitely therapists out there who are private pay, right? Like it's that they have the option that your insurance might cover your therapy. Therapists are also necessi necessarily so much more limited in where and how they can deliver treatment, right? Part of that um, licensure and ethics is the control of where they get to do their work, whereas coaches can work however they want, whenever they want, wherever they want, and they can slap the coaching label onto it. And I've certainly seen some very interesting places and ideas that other people have said, this is coaching, um, which if you listen to some of my other episodes, if you've heard some of my speaking within the fitness industry, I have very strong feelings about that. Um, we're not going to let my strong feelings uh, derail this episode. And there's a big myth around this the coaching therapy thing that I really want to dispel. I have heard it said that coaches focus on goals and therapists focus on emotions. And I 100% completely disagree. And here is why. The wellness co coaching certification that I have that I shared the discount code for at the beginning of this um, episode, it includes content on emotional well-being. And one of the first questions that I ask my clients when we work together is, how do you want to feel? We've talked about that on this show a whole bunch. We also talk about emotional processing like all the time in my sessions. And so there's two big reasons that you've heard me say on this show. Number one is an actual episode title. If you go back to the summer of 2022, emotions are information, right? Emotions are gonna come up in our sessions and they're gonna inform the decisions that my clients make and the kinds of things that I teach them. And number two that you've also heard me say on this show a whole bunch is, the three horsemen of the emotional apocalypse are shame, blame, and guilt. And I've got to support my clients working through those things when those emotions are creating blocks for them to get to where they want to go in their lives. So if I'm like, hey, no, my scope of practice ain't Fifi's, we're not going to talk about your feelings. I'm doing a disservice to my clients. I'm also not creating a space where they experience unconditional positive regard and can work on the challenges that are organically coming up on their wellness journey. So a good coach is going to hold the container for whatever emotions are coming up. And a good therapist is going to ask about your goals in your life and in therapy. So you want to look for those things when you are considering coaches or therapists that you want to work with. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and today we are diving into this question of coaching or therapy. And how do you know? How do you know what you need and when to seek what kind of help? Well, it's estimated that one in four people live with a diagnosable mental health condition. 
So anxiety disorders, depression, both chronic and acute, uh, PTSD. These are all examples that I hope at this point we can all relate to as potential mental health issues that are going to come up over the course of anyone's life. Because mental health is a spectrum and a trained therapist can help you learn to manage wherever you fall on that spectrum, whether it's a long-term relationship of ongoing treatment or for support when you're going through something acutely stressful or traumatic like burnout or the loss of a loved one. So another example, I've talked before on this show that I have been divorced. So I worked with a therapist in a long-term process about what led up to that divorce, how it was affecting my PTSD, how it was bringing up um, more longer and more intense bouts of my recurrent depression, and to help me integrate the lessons that I was learning as I was processing and grieving and integrating the traumas that were coming up so that I could shift from post-traumatic stress toward post-traumatic growth. Turning that trauma into growth instead of internalizing it as more stress and dysfunction. And in all that therapy, some of what I've learned is to monitor my symptoms, to have a behavioral toolbox that I can call upon when I realize I'm having signs of a depressive episode, and set a new threshold for when I need to seek more treatment. So like, what are the blinking dashboard lights? What do they mean? And how do I interpret them to better myself and live more fully in my life? So one of the things that you might want to know is mental health counselors and psychologists cannot prescribe medication in most states. So if you are seeking medication for a diagnosable long-term mental health condition, you're going to want to find a psychiatrist because it's a psychiatrist's job to prescribe medication. So that's when you want to think about working with a therapist. But what about a coach? And what kind of coach? Well, Coaching can be great for a few things. So let's dive in. Obviously, I'm passionate about coaching. If you have goals that you want to strive for, but you're really not sure how to get there, or you know that you need support in figuring that roadmap out, that's when you're going to want to seek out a coach related to those specific goals. So another example from my own life, the first time that I was going to be like speaking on a big stage at a conference, the first time that I was going to be using a teleprompter, talk about stress. (laughs) Um, I sought out a good friend of mine that is a public speaking and executive coach to work with me on the specific goals around those skill sets to make sure that when the day showed up, I was rocking and rolling and ready. I'm glad to say they're exceptional at their job. Shout out Ellie. Woo, Ellie Hearn. Um, And also able to show up and do it because of the support of this very skilled and talented coach. So the second one would be if you've got lifestyle stuff, that you know you want to work on and you're maybe you're not sure where to start or you're not sure how to work through what, what you're doing that's not working. Maybe you know your personal habits aren't great and you don't take care of yourself the way that you want to. You might be able picking up on the vibes here. 
but a wellness coach could be a rock star in giving you a holistic view of your lifestyle and helping you approach your day around nutrition, movement, sleep, mindset, emotional practice, like all of that wellness stuff that you might be overwhelmed hearing out in the world, learning how to weave that into a life, a coach can be incredibly supportive with that. And if you feel like you're not living up to your potential, but you're not really clear about how or why you'd step into that, again, a wellness coach or a life coach could be really helpful in those instances. So to, to add another layer to this conversation about like, how do you know when you need a coach? Back in December of 2021, Adam Grant wrote an article for the New York Times that was titled, there's a name for the blah that you're feeling. It's called languishing. End title. <laughs> so languishing is when you're having a mental health challenge, right? Or excuse me, let me try that sentence again. Languishing is when you're not having a mental health problem, like you're not depressed or anxious or in trauma, but you're not thriving or motivated or happy either. You're kind of in the gray static between those extremes. So you feel stagnant, you feel bored. It's the absence of the negative without the presence of the positive. And languishing is where a wellness coach with an education in positive psychology could be massively helpful because they're gonna ask you targeted questions so that you can explore what's actually going on with you, what's gonna help you feel better in the long run. And what both therapists and coaches do is hold the space for you to look at yourself, to look at your behavior and your life and to build lasting change. Both are non-judgmental, both are supportive, both type of careers develop their own specialties and areas of expertise to help. So there's, there is both a coach and a therapist out there that specializes in you and your unique life details and circumstances and what you want for yourself. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm Darlene Marshall, and we are looking at this question of coaching or therapy. And the last thing that I want to cover is how you manage this line as a coach in a coaching relationship, because therapists are taught how to handle these kinds of conversations around scope of practice and next step. But as trainers, we're often told, or excuse me, as coaches and trainers, heck, as trainers too, we're often told, okay, this is your scope of practice, but we're not really taught how to have the conversation with our clients when we're up against the edge of our scope of practice. So it's not uncommon for me to work with clients who have experienced trauma related to fitness or wellness or medical trauma, or they're diagnosed with mental health considerations. So I don't just turn those clients away. They still can benefit from my help. But during my consultations and intakes, it's common for me to ask potential clients, are you working with a therapist? When I ask if they've worked with other coaches or trainers before. So when I'm getting my history, it's a standard question. I don't treat it like it's special or weird or different. Because I know for some people, therapy is uncomfortable. But as a coach, I set the tone for safety and comfort for my clients. So regardless of their answer, that's the opportunity for me to level set with them and to tell them my scope of practice. So it'll sound something like this. 
I'm not a therapist, so my job is not to diagnose or treat any mental health conditions. And it is possible in our work together that it could bring up some difficult stuff. And there may come a point where we reach a line that I'm not qualified to support what's coming up. So if we get there, I'll tell you. But you also have a say. If things are coming up that are negatively affecting you outside of our sessions, I'd like to know that. And that might mean that it's time for us to get someone else involved for your mental health. That doesn't mean that we have to stop. We'll continue our work together while you work with them around whatever's coming up. Okay, so it sounds something like that. And that way it lets them know upfront, like, hey, I'm not gonna fire you as a client if this happens. I'm here to support you and help. But also this is the edge and this is why it matters that we take care of you. Uh, if the client already has a therapist and something like that comes up, I'll ask, have you talked to your therapist about this? And if they say no, I will request, could you please talk to your therapist about this? This is one of those times. Very, very, very rarely I have a client where something like this comes up and they refuse to go to therapy. It's rare partly because of the type of client that I agree to work with. And if I have a good relationship with the client, we'll look at why they're hesitating about therapy, what the resistance is and how it's going to affect their progress. But for me as a practitioner, that becomes a blinking dashboard light. There's a sign there that's either a trust issue, right? Like the client doesn't trust and respect my opinion around the importance of their mental health, or it's a codependency issue, right? They've become codependent on me and that's not very healthy, that's concerning, or there's something else going on. And an example of something else might be an access issue. So this happened a few times during the pandemic. The clients that I were saying like, hey, mental health blinking dashboard lights, and they're going, oh yeah, they couldn't find practitioners when they needed them due to the flood of need caused by the pandemic. And so when something like that happens, I'll do my best to support them while staying within my scope of practice and also help to find them someone to work with through my own network, which just illustrates the value of why as a practitioner, we wanna keep cultivating our own networks. But at the end of the day, coaches aren't therapists. We aren't trying to be therapists and shouldn't. It would be dangerous for us to pretend to be therapists. And it doesn't serve our mission. It doesn't serve our clients. And while I have certainly have clients say to me over the years, wow, this was more helpful than therapy. What I can see that maybe they can't see is the way that therapy that they did before got them ready for the future that they started building with me. The therapy set the groundwork that allowed us through coaching to accelerate them to get them where they wanted to go. So it's not that coaching is better than therapy. It's that therapy did its job and now they're able to step into something else, which of course I'm always proud of. So coaches, therapists, we both have value, but we wanna stay within our scope of practice so that we're serving our clients within our mission to the best of our abilities. Hopefully this episode has been helpful to you in your abilities. And of course, I would love to hear your feedback. So you could email me. It's info at Darlene.coach. I'm on Instagram. That's also Darlene.coach. You can find me on LinkedIn. 
And I've also started a Substack, which is coachdar.substack.com. And there you will find practices and resource information related to the episode's information. Uh, each week, we're adding to that database, that reference material to help you carry the lessons from Better Than Fine into your life. Of course, if you're a fan of the show, I hope that you will subscribe wherever you are listening. Write a review because that helps us to build the audience from the show. And if you do happen to uh, share on any social media platform, please tag me and reach out so that we can keep that love going. Thank you so much to the fans of the show and be well. We'll see you next week.